we are we're spending the next little while walking through this series looking at wisdom and, and a book in your Bible uh, called Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of wisdom. And, and so it's actually, it's not a steady diet in itself. So if you are opening up your Bible going, I'm just going to digest Proverbs, you're not going to have a very balanced walk in Scripture. But, but what we want to do as we walk through this, really, I, I feel the only way you can spend a, a lingering and long time in Proverbs is what are the themes? What, what does it speak to? And how does that inform wisdom for our life? And we're, we're kind of giving a, a loose definition of wisdom is understanding how to you know, walk life well, an ability to see life as it really is, reality as it really is, and then respond accordingly. That's wisdom. And as we've been kind of Opening up this discussion, you know, I've been hearing so many conversations. I want that. I need that. I, I need that in my life and my family. And, and today we're going to talk about family. What wisdom is in your family. What, what wisdom is to build into family. Talking about the inherent blessing of family. Love in discipline and the work of, of instruction. These are really, if we were to say, the sub-themes that we see as we look at the kind of the picture of family that Proverbs gives us. Uh, and, and when I say the inherent blessing, uh, this, is, this is so obvious as you read through Proverbs that, that family is meant to be a joy. It's meant to be something that fills you and excites you. In fact, uh, if I said, get out your Bible. So Proverbs 17.6 says, grandchildren are crown of the aged and glory is the children of their fathers. How many grandparents in the room? Like, you know this. This is not a hard sell. Like, as much grandkid time as you can get, right? You will even shame and guilt your children. Like, hey, you haven't visited in like five days. You know, and, and what is that? Well, you know, it's like this, this is the joy of my, you know, my golden years, if we can call it that. This is, you know, as life, you know, bandwidth opens in your life, you want to fill it with what? Family. Like, that, that's something that's just, it's not... We don't have to dig deep for that. It's on the surface, but let's, let's make sure that we uh, get there a, a little bit more intentionally today. I want to be very careful as well. If you're here and, and your family, your blood relatives, you would say, you know what? I'm one of those people who is maybe estranged. I have some awkward relationships. Uh, maybe it's that your, your family, you grieve your family because they're just not where you want them to be. Can I, can I encourage you with this? Family is not just blood relatives. There's the family you choose. Those are your friends. There's the family that you get to experience that might be only a portion of all the family that you have. Okay? Uh, for some of you, you get that. If you're, you know, Mennonite family, perhaps. I come from a German Baptist background, so I got more cousins than you can shake a stick at. So I don't even try to remember their spouses' names. Like, that's just where we're at. And it's not that you grieve that going like, ah, I want deep relationships with all these people. It's who do you do life with? That's our definition for family. And then deeper than that, and we'll get to this as we progress in this morning, um, we're called to as a family of Christ. If you're new to your Bibles, just spend some time in the New Testament. I'm not making that up. Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, he writes to the church saying, brothers and sisters, a household of faith. The family of God. You have a family in Christ. Like, I hope that kind of stirs you up and excites you. And you're not just going, well, the pastor has to say that. We're family. In, in fact, distinct yet deeper than your blood family. 
because you, you get to be with these people for eternity. So if they kind of grind your gears now, we better sort that out. We are, we are not just living life intentionally with a few people. We get to do that with many. And here's what's really encouraging if you're a follower of Christ. This, this spans the globe and time and throughout all generations. You have a family. One of the things I love about this church, and I actually, I don't say it as much as I used to. And I really need to. When I, I used to introduce myself, my name is Aaron. I get to pastor this church. I love this church. I love this church. My, my wife, thanks, Tish. One of the things, yeah, make me weepy. <laughs> one, one of the things that, you know, my, my wife and I over the years, you know, we'll invite, I'll in, usually it's me, I'll invite somebody over and, or I'll go out for coffee with somebody. And, and, and again, this is me getting in trouble because uh, I didn't talk to my wife about this. But she'll be like, that guy? You're going to coffee with that guy? Nobody likes that guy. You know, and, and, and as a pastor, or if you've ever worked in ministry, you'll kind of know this. It's like, well, I like that guy. You know, it's, and it's not just because I have to. It's actually, I, I've invested so much. I, I know through scripture and the time I invest that they're part of my family. No, I like that guy. I like this family. I might be the only one in Calgary, but I do. That's how it operates in a church family. So if, even if you feel like you're that person, you're loved in Christ. You have a family, and it is deep, and it is rich. You know this to be true because when you see kids running around, it's like, those are my nieces and my nephews in faith. Like, th those are my grandkids in faith. And, and church, if you've ever had the joy of helping somebody grow into a relationship with Jesus, like, they, they're kind of like your kids in faith. And if they have, so to speak, kids. They help disciple others. It, it, that the family grows. What, what is so amazing about that, if, if you, now, that's the metaphor. Get back to, like, biological families for a moment. If, if you're a parent, you know this to be true. Nothing will curb stomp the selfishness out of your life more than kids. Like, if you're a greedy person, you have kids. <laughs> see a few parents going, yes, haven't slept in days. And yet, why do you do it? Honestly, there's a cost-benefit analysis, and we know that there's greater value in the family than there is in all the things we lose. We know that to be true. That's why we, I'm going to be building on a platform this morning. We want to invest in family. We need to invest in family. And this spans all generations. So if you're going, you know, I'm young and it's, you know, I feel like I'm receiving all the investment or I'm in the, kind of in the middle and I'm giving and receiving. Uh, or, or if you're at the end of, of the story, so to speak, you're in that kind of grandparent phase and you're like, I just give. Let me tell you, you are deeply needed and you are deeply valued. In fact, um, Scripture and Proverbs has a lot to say to those who have gray hair. Like, be encouraged. It's good stuff. It says gray, gray hair is a glory and a crown in your life. Some of you have been dying that stuff. You can stop. You'd be like, my pastor told me. It, it, it speaks to, like, there's, there's something there. It actually, it, it's a, an allusion to wisdom. And wisdom is you know how to do life well. Here's what it's saying. It's not just that you have staying power. It's, you know, that, that person is demonstrating physically that, that they've been around. And they've, and they've held up. That there's something worth listening to. You know, when, when Scripture talks about respecting 
those who are, are, are elders, it's, it's actually good wisdom. It's good common sense. Why? They've, they've probably gone through the stuff that you're doing. And to disregard their advice or to disregard them, is that's unwise. Why? Because they probably come alongside you in life and be like, you know, I've been there. Uh, I, I had that same thought, had the same attitude. Can I tell you how that worked out for me? You can, you can see it on me. Like, I, I've, got, I've got years here that demonstrate that I have something to offer to you. And, and, and just, you know, let me dig this in a little deeper because uh, I think one thing that, that our culture does wrong is, like, we, have, we have just abhor signs of aging, like wrinkles. But there is something so beautiful in a face that is rightly aged. You know, if, if you've seen somebody that, that their face is just through the re- repetition of creasing their face in a smile, those are called laugh lines. That, that, that tells me something. This person has lived and loved deeply, and they're worth listening to. In the same way that if somebody has held bitterness and discontentment for many years in their life, you'll see a sour expression etched into their very face. Like there is a story to tell when you look at somebody in your family and go, there's wisdom there, there's heartache, there's pain, there's something to contribute. Church, these are all kind of pictures of a family has inherent blessing, value, and depth in all these things. And we can contribute whether we're receiving wisdom or whether we're giving it. In, in fact, I would encourage you even further this way. Um, the experience you have that you give to every generation is, is actually meant to give longevity and health and joy to that generation. I mean, uh, we're in a book of the Bible, kind of lumped in with a group of other books in your Bible called Wisdom Literature. Another is Ecclesiastes, which has a very different vibe to it. Ecclesiastes attributed to the same author, King Solomon, but he writes saying, you know, I've done everything in life. I I held back nothing from my heart that it desired. No pleasure, no person, no lifestyle, you know, nothing that I could, uh, couldn't buy. I didn't, I didn't deny myself, which was, which was everything. And he says, "And, and you know what he discovered about life? It's all smoke. It's all vapor. It all disappears. But I would argue this, you know, the one, and he would even say, you build up a great amount of wealth, a great name for yourself, a great business. And he's like, what's that? Because you might have to give it to the next generation. And who knows? That person could be wise. They could be an idiot. And then what good is that? It's gone like smoke. But what, what he, he's alluding to is this, that the, the one thing that we can have is our relationships. The, the one thing, the, the people you do life with, the people you're closest with, they can be a source of your greatest blessing and joy. Church family matters. Oh, man, that was a bad pun. Dig, in, dig into it. Dig into these relationships. Because if, if I were to step back for a moment and, and really just challenge our church, and I think this is true for the capital C church, but I'm seeing it live and, and right in my face at Mission Hill. Um, we've really lost in recent years as a culture a way of doing family and life together well. I mean, I, I don't know how many people have told me, I don't know how to invite people over anymore. I want to, but it's weird now. You know, I want to go over to people's houses, you know, I want, but it's weird. And we've kind of just pushed that off. We've, we've grown really apathetic, really, really 
individualistic. Like you put a label on it, but it, they're not all sticking well because we've just what? We've lost it. Church, we need it back. Not only do we need it back for our own health, but you can't be a family when you're, indiv- when you're doing life on your own. Because one of the values is, yes, there's an inherent blessing. Family is what has longevity. Family is where you get to give and receive. Family is where you find joy. But there's, there's love in the discipline of being a family. In fact, one of the great themes that we see, probably the most predominant theme, if I were to just read to you the, the, about a dozen verses that speak to family in Proverbs, is it talks about the instruction, the, the discipline, the correction that a loving parent or parental figure gives to their family, usually their children. In fact, sometimes what we do wrongly with the Proverbs is, is we take them like these are promises when they're meant to be general instruction. There are a lot of promises in God's word that are for you, and you can take them to the bank. But Proverbs is more like, these are general rules for life. You do this, and most of the time it'll work out good, but sometimes it doesn't. And here's one that gets greatly abused. Uh, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Who's heard that? Like, I don't say this to single out anyone, but I, I, as a pastor, I need to say this. I don't know how many times I've spoken to somebody and their, their kids have gone off the rails in some way in life and they quote that as if it's like, but I did a good job. So it's going to work out in the end. Maybe. I mean, that, you want to do well in life? You want to see your kids grow up well? Yes, instruct them. But that, that doesn't mean this is like the, uh, you know, A plus B equals C kind of formula. This, this is a general rule. And I've, I've also seen parents who are shaking their fist at God, going like, I did everything right, and, and now look at this. You see, we, we know that there's great love in discipline because, you know, now there's a generation that, that says, you know, I love my kids, so I'm not going to discipline. My wife and I have friends who we went over to their house. This was maybe 10 years ago. And they have all little ones running around and they're like jumping on the table and pulling on the curtains. And, and I remember, you know, my wife being much more observant than me, she kind of nudges me. I'm like, hey, do you want us to do something about that? They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're a family that doesn't say no. <laughs> and then I'm curious, like, how does that work? And like one of the kids is like climbing mom and using her as a slide. She's like, oh, it's tiring. Like. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not going to go well for you. What, what was underneath that is like, you know, we don't feel loving when, we, when we, we have to say no. We don't feel loving when we have to add correction. We don't feel loving when there is discipline. But here's the truth. You're not loving them. You're loving yourself. Because you don't have to put yourself in an awkward spot. Nobody likes to be in that place of, you know what, because, because I love you, we got to have a hard talk. You know, I have little, I have young daughters. They're twins. They're nine. And you know what? They're girls. So they fight. And they fight with their minds. So it's just not like the boys that I grew up with. You know, you punch each other and then you're good. You know, like they use cutting words and stuff like that. And like I get in the middle. I'm I'm just like, stop. It's all I know how to do. do. You over there and you over there. And but to sit down and work it out like that's exhausting. (laughs) I usually tag out and go, honey, I need you. But if I don't do that, it's not because I'm not 
loving them. It's because I'm just loving myself. Oh, it's not worth my time. I, I would just rather sit and relax. I'd rather not do this. Church, here's something we need to do, and it's actually something we need to get back. We need to, to catechize our kids. I'm using that word intentionally because some of you don't even know what that means. A catechism was what the church used to do as a way of informal, relational instruction to help your kids grow in faith. It was a list of questions with answer responses so that as a family you could dialogue about Jesus and help work it in deep. Now, I have the blessing of my parents on both sides were followers of Christ and their parents were followers of Christ. What a rich and full heritage that I'm thankful for. And yet, I, I didn't get this. I remember having my own kids and, and when they were about three and, and we're trying to teach them about Jesus and I was like, Point blank. I, I was just like, I don't know what to do. And by God's grace, we kind of figured it out and fumbled through it. And, and I'm going, I'm, I'm a pastor. Third generation Christian. I don't know how to tell my kids about Jesus. Church, we need to get this back. And I'm not saying like eventually. I mean like right now. Because here's what a catechism is. It's, it's that idea of, and if you're a parent, you know this. Like the moment they can ask questions, what's the question they ask? Why? Some of you are beat me to it, so you get it. You know, why is the sky blue? Why this? And, and you know what? I, and it's always in the car, right? Like you're in an enclosed space. You can't run. <laughs> and and, and as a, actually, as a dad, I love it. You know, why is the sky blue? And I try to remember, you know, fifth grade science class. Well, I believe it's the reflection from the ocean. And then I kind of get into the whole thing. But then when they ask you, do you love Jesus? Well, for sure. Why? Ugh. It's like the wheels stop. Do you know how to answer that question? Did Jesus die for you? Yeah. Why? I don't know. If we do not know how to answer those questions, if we don't even know how to engage them, what hope do we have for having a vibrancy of faith as a family? You know, and, and I want you to have that. I want you to have that in your groups. I want you to have that in your homes. I want you to have that with your kids. And your kids are actually asking why? And how do you think you're equipping them to go to their, their school friends and their friends in the neighborhood? Hey, I, you guys, I see this on our cul-de-sac. We, we drive back home, nice day like today. There'll be nine kids on our cul-de-sac. We'll roll in. Our kids will jump out of the car and run over to them. They'll be like, where were you? Church, why do you go there? You know, they get, they get the easy one. Well, my dad works there. But if we're not equipping them with the why, then they're going to start asking them themselves, then what's the value? Why do I look different? Why do I feel different? What, what's, is this mine or is this something else? We want to have these dialogues. Church, we need to have these dialogues. Grandparents, it's not too late. With your grandkids, with your kids. Ask them, how are you, how are you raising your kids in faith? Get outside of the literal. Get into the metaphor. Those of you who are older, challenge the people my age. So, so how are you raising your kids in faith? You know, Carrie would be pumping my tires right now. She's downstairs. Talk to her. How, how we support you to, to be a family of faith. That we can, you know, and again, that word catechize, it means to instruct. How do we instruct? How do we build a dialogue? Moreover, I, I encourage us this way. Um, how do we have a heart? For discipline. 
Now, some of you are going to love these verses, but for the wrong reasons. But let, let me read them anyway. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. That's the whole spare the rod, spoil the child, if you've heard that. I heard that a lot growing up. <laughs> My parents are over there. Um, <laughs> 23, 13 to 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. What's that saying? It's not, the Bible is not pro-spanking. Some of you are like, honey, we get, yeah, bring out the hockey stick. You know, like, no, that's not, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, if you love your kid, you'll discipline them. If you love your kid, you're actually going to do the hard work of correction. If, if you love one another, you're actually going to speak hard truth into each other's lives. And, and you can do this multiple ways. Okay, so if any of you are going like, I feel like I'm hearing a lot of like smack your kid kind of talk. No, 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 no. What, what you are hearing, though, is to disregard, to ignore, or to abstain from any kind of correction is basically not to love your family. You, this is you getting in the face of one another and going, I love you enough to say, hey, I have some gray hair on my life. I've, I've got some age and wisdom here to go. Where you're going is not good. We need to steer this ship a different way. And it's going to probably hurt to do that. In fact, it's giving them just enough taste of the poison as to curtail their decision-making and behaviors so that they don't drink the whole thing. In, in fact, I was just reading this week, and I, th I think it's fascinating how uh, the idea of penance, when that was in a relational sense, it was usually something done to give such a negative taste that you wouldn't do it again. So an example would be, if you were secretly trying to harm your enemy, if you were holding bitterness against them in your heart, if you were slandering them around town, uh, the penance, that would be the work that you would do. I'm not promoting this, I'm just kind of say the heart behind it, would be go and do 10 nice things for that person that they know about. Like, you, you think about doing that for somebody you really don't like. I mean, that'll give you enough taste of that to be like, I, I never want to do that again. What's the motive behind that? It, it's love. Hey, you're going in a direction that's killing you. We need, we need to fix that. I've gotten in the face of adults and, and, and young people alike, and I've said those exact words. You keep going down this road, and you're killing yourself. You will not have relationships with others. You will not see the future that you think you're moving towards. You're, you're actually, you're destroying your ability to be heard. Do you, do you know, like, couples, this is for free. If you're in a, a fight at home and, and one of you is a yeller or both of you is a yeller, you are instantaneously removing your ability to be heard. You want a good argument? Work on your argument, not your, your, your decibels. But we do that where we're like, you know, I'm frustrated with you. I want to hurt you. And that's not good discipline. If ever you're in the position of as a parent, a loved one, a friend, where you have to bring about correction, but your heart is punitive, you got to tap out. You're not, you're not right for the job. It's love. You know, I want to give you just enough of the poison as to, to give you a taste of it that you don't want anymore. And, and here's the truth about, about discipline. This, this is something that requires great wisdom, you know, where, where dialogue fails, discipline fails. Where 
discipline is not present, we, we actually don't have a full picture of discipleship. Because there will always be people in our midst who it's like, you know, they're, they're going in this direction. It's not good for them. I guess we all just sit back and watch and hope, hope they figure it out. That's not discipleship. That's not instruction. So you got it's that conversation of, actually, this is going to, do your parents ever say this? This is going to hurt you or hurt me more than it hurts you? You see, good discipline, good correction, good instruction means actually that somebody else is close enough to share in your pain to see you healed. That's a family. Where you can make, make mistakes and there's instruction through discipline that builds you up. And guess what? It, th- your pain is felt in the family. You see, we, we see that this is the work of instruction. We see that in the heart of the gospel where, where God instructs us by taking on our deepest pains. Actually, if you think it's cruel that God seems to withhold some degree his love without you facing your sin, your mistakes face to face, then you actually don't fully understand the good news of the Bible. Because God's love has never been in question for you. He wants to build you up enough with enough strength that you can actually see yourself as you are and know that you're still deeply loved. Let me read for you Isaiah 53, 10 to 11. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. I mean, this is pointing to Jesus, and by, by his anguish he's satisfied. What does that mean? Like, out of his heartache he's filled. It's because he knows he's building a family. This is Hebrews 12. That for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was his joy? That he knew He was building a family that without this instruction, without this pain, there would be no family. We'd be scattered to the winds. This is what brings us together. Church, this is is the the hope that we have as Christians is that he doesn't want to knock you down. He, He was knocked down so that you could be built up. That's the heart that we have to have for one another. And if we don't have that, we don't have the heart of Christ inside of us to actually build a family. If I could kind of summarize this in an illustration for you. I, I mentioned a while back, actually a few weeks ago, my grandmother passed away and we had a, a family graveside. Beautiful day. Pastor's doing his thing. Solemn moment. Just the family. Pastor wraps up. And I... And I being a great parent, my wife wasn't present, lost track of my kids. Um, about 50 feet away, they, they found another graveside, open grave with two planks across. And they were using these kind of rickety old planks like a trampoline, you know, compressing the boards, going down into the open grave and launching them up. And, and you can kind of hear them going, you know, in the background, wee! And, and as a good parent, what do you do? Well, I disturb the family. I'm like, get down! You know, pastor's like, who's this guy? He's probably not saved. Um, 
The rest of the families, you know, startled. All the older people were checking their, their heart rate, you know. What, what was that? And, and so I have to walk over to my daughters and explain to them, there's a couple reasons why Daddy had to knock you off the plank. Is because if I didn't, you'd get knocked into the pit. Don't you see that every balance, like, and you're moving these boards slightly askew where eventually you're going to end up there. Like, in beautiful metaphor, that's death. <laughs> and, and, and truth be told, I'm like, you're wearing your nice dresses and I'm not bringing you home <laughs> to your mother. After, you know, where'd that dirt come from? Don't ask. There's nothing loving if a heavenly father steps back and goes, well, let's just see how many bounces you get. That's our life without his correction. And he sets our feet aside to go, I'm standing on solid ground. I have life, life to the full. I understand my folly. And in doing so, I can do what? I can be a family member. I can help others. Church, we need that. We We need you to do that. In fact, we need you more than ever. And, and, and let me step aside for the sermon a moment. Here's what I'm seeing as pastor of our church. By God's grace, over uh, two years of uncertainty, we've actually grown. But where we've shrunk is we, people are not pressing in. I mean, what I mean by that is we need your help. Jump into teams. We need you to serve. There is a family that wants to be treated like a family. Families aren't spectators. We, we, moreover, I'm encouraging you to do this. I, I am seeing across our city, uh, we're using the term burnout, and I actually kind of hate it. Burnout is chronic discouragement. Burnout is a, lo- a loss of focus over a, long, a prolonged or, or duration of time. And, and so we're seeing people we love tap out, and as a family, we need to be pressing in. We need encouragement. We, we need focus. We need to be together, and, and here's where we need this. Now more than ever, I'm going, we got to streamline our efforts where if you're a leader, if you're mature in your faith, then, then don't hang out with other leaders. You need to be leading people. I mean, the family needs you. If we're... Doing anything, we got to do it together because it, behind every story is, is one of, of heartache and loss, discouragement, and we need to be pressing deep into that. Because when we don't do that, I, I just, I know this to be true. I don't know the reasons and the stories. I think they're unique to every person, but I do know this. When we don't engage, it's not because we aren't loving them. It's because we're really loving ourselves. That just inconveniences my life so much. Church, when you do that, you, we fail to be a family. And so I, I'm going to call us to that. I'm going I'm to push you into that. You're actually going to hear me speaking to this a lot. And as we move forward, we give clarity to the fall. You're going to be hearing that in the themes of all we do. Streamlining so that you can be equipped to be building the family of God. Let me pray. And the music team is going to come up and lead us in a few more songs. Father God, thank you for your word. And I thank you for a picture of family that goes deeper than, than blood. I, I, I particularly give thanks for that because I know in many of our stories, we are hungry for a family. And Lord, you've given that through your son, Jesus. That Father, you would, you would see us as your kids. That Jesus, you would say, I see you as my inheritance. 
and that we would see one another as brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray uh, we'd have right concern to build each other up. I pray for our families as we go home that we would take seriously what does it mean to instruct one another, build each other up in faith, and give us the words for the why that we're so ill-equipped at times to build one another up because we haven't engaged in those things ourselves. May that bolster our, our young people. May it bolster the hearts of even the older uh, generations, Lord, who have maybe haven't been invigorated by those conversations. And Jesus, I thank you that, that you knocked us away from the path of selfishness that we've been walking on so that we can have life in you. And Lord, just to experience enough of this thing that the, the whole sting, the, the full amount, Lord, would not be experienced. Jesus, you took that on for us. So we look to you as our picture of family. We look to you as the one who accepts us fully. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name.